Support for Starting Small comes from Human Scale, the leading designer and manufacturer of high-performance ergonomic products that help create a healthier work life. All of the products from chairs to standing desk and more are comfortable, easy to use, and sustainable, and great for either the office or the work from home environment. With an increase in shifting workplaces, comfort can be especially hard to find. As I run the podcast, I'm in front of my desk for hours a day, from scheduling, researching, interviewing, and more. Human Scale allows me to remain productive without the consequence of body stress to follow. Make sure to check out Human Scale at humanscale.com and use code STARTINGSMALL at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. That's code STARTINGSMALL at humanscale.com and enjoy the episode. Hello and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Raymond Lee, founder of Lumina, the world's first studio quality 4K webcam powered by AI. Raymond is certainly not new to entrepreneurship. He founded his first company, Ooh Shirts, out of high school, which had massive success through his college years, which led him to dropping out early. Listen as we talk about Raymond's full journey from his first company, Ooh Shirts, to Scalable, and to now Lumina. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Raymond Lee of Scalable and Lumina. Raymond, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Of course. So I'd like to start out with your upbringing. So where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? Um, so I uh, was born in China and I moved to uh, the Bay Area uh, when I was three years old. Mm-hmm. And um, my my childhood was, uh, it was in the heart of Silicon Valley. So uh, I was surrounded by just all this uh progress happening in in uh tech in the technology world mm-hmm. uh, a lot of you know the, the dot-com boom happened when i was young uh, i saw that and i think that that probably affected me mm-hmm. uh uh in, a, in an interesting way and um my uh, my parents are both software engineers and so i kind of grew up in this in, in this world of technology mm. and um i think that uh to some extent that, that gave me this this feeling that uh, change uh, is always happening, and it's a good thing. For sure. For yourself, would you say growing up, you had an entrepreneurship mindset, say, sell any products or lemonade stands at a young age? Um, you know, it was it was really odd. I mean, I think I wasn't uh, particularly entrepreneurial until, until I was probably 15 or 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to that, I was, I'd say, just completely normal kid, just going to school. I did, you know, went, went to class normally. And um, something happened uh, in, in early high school. And I don't know exactly what it is, but I just suddenly felt like I could build stuff and it could, it wouldn't necessarily be successful, but I just felt like this is something that was interesting that I wanted to do. Yeah. I saw that in your high school years, uh, you started this company called Ooh Shirts, and it was based off a bad experience with ordering t-shirts for your tennis club. What exactly was that bad experience? Yeah, so when I was in high school, um, I, I, was a, I was a tennis player. I, was, I, was, um, I played tennis since I was in my early uh, teens. Mm-hmm. And um, so in high school, I started this club called, uh, it's it basically it's a tennis club at my high school. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember... Uh, I was trying to order. It was. I started the club, so it was. It didn't exist uh, until that. And I, I was. I remember trying to order T-shirts for this club off a very small budget. Mm-hmm. And I had, I had this idea in my mind that 
t-shirts should cost like five bucks. Like, it should, they should be very cheap. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know where I got it, that, that idea from, but, I, but that, that was deeply embedded in my mind. And when I got quotes for a uh, t-shirt for a club, it just, everything did not match that, 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 that number in my mind. Mm. And so, um, and then we couldn't afford it for one, uh, but just on, on, a, on a kind of a uh, deeper level, I just, I just felt compelled to, to research why uh, it was more expensive than what I thought it would, what, it, what I thought it ought to be. And um, I, I learned a lot about the industry and I think I kind of just inadvertently found this, this big opportunity to, to build a business. Mm. So did you end, what did you end up doing for that ordering process? Did you end up ordering through that expensive chain or did you end up finding some outsourcing? What did you do for the tennis club? Yeah, I think in the beginning it was, uh, I, so I, I looked around for many different options, both online and offline options. Uh, so I, I looked everywhere for the best price and I couldn't find it. And um, what I what I ended up doing was actually going through uh, the supplier. I, I, w- I went on Ali Alibaba, and I, I found the supplier in China mm. that uh, was willing to to print and and ship the ship these ship these t shirts over. And the price turned out to be, I think, less than five dollars, which was like three three or four bucks. Mm. Um, but uh, and, and that, that's actually how the business started. It was, I, I found the supplier and then I, I started working with other clubs at my high school and said, Hey, I found, I have this great source for t-shirts. You know, the quality is good. It's, you know, the same t-shirts would get, you'd get elsewhere, except it's cheaper. Yeah. And, um, uh, it started, that, that, that's kind of how, how things started at the very beginning. So during your high school years and doing this, did Ooh shirts actually launch as a business or was this following uh, high school into your college years? <laughs> well, it's always a blurred line at the beginning. I, I, yeah. I think, right? like, um, it was it was kind of me uh, acting as a sort of broker for these these t-shirts. Yeah, and um, I, I mean, to some extent, I mean, I think some people would call that a business, um, and I think you know, by by definition, it pro- probably was one. Yeah. Um, but I viewed it as just like a, a side project that I took on and, and, you know, I, I could help other people and make a little bit of money on it. Um, and it, it, it wasn't until later that, um, uh, so at some point in this process, I, I started to work on building a website. I felt like, uh, uh, the, the process of, of, I was taking a lot of orders by hand myself and like doing a lot of just essentially just one-on-one like direct sales. Mm-hmm. And, um, I thought that building a website and um, trying to attract people to the website would actually be a better way to uh, to grow that business. And so um, I, uh, I, le- I learned to code. I learned um, you know PHP and MySQL, which are the kind of the it's like the most popular languages at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I, I built something. I put something up there. And what, I, I, what was really interesting though was that after launching the website, there were some U.S.-based printers that that contacted me mm. and actually said hey, may, maybe we could we could provide we could um help you with or we, we could do this printing out of the u.s mm-hmm. and um the the really surprising thing was that uh we were able to set up in a, this this uh partnership a few partnerships with these local printers 
in which the the cost of printing and fulfilling out of the U.S. was actually comparable to the cost of fulfilling out of China. Wow! Provided that we make the process more efficient for these these local print shops. Wow! Interesting. I saw you went on to study at University of California Berkeley in two thousand nine uh, for a short period. What did you end up studying there in this process? <laughs> I was a, I was a business major. Okay. Um, I. Uh, uh, I, I think I chose business because I thought it would, it would be a easy major that would uh, help, like, give me time to work on stuff on the side. Yeah. Um, and it was it was relevant by by by, by title as well. So that's for sure a small plus. Yeah. So at this uh, at this time, <laughs> uh, what were you doing with the O shirts, and what was the growth looking like at this time period? Yeah. So O shirts at the time. Uh, so. Uh, when I was 19, I think the revenues were in the low six figures. I think it was like one or two hundred thousand uh, uh, dollars annually. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, and then something. So, so in my sophomore year, something happened um, in which I, I basically figured out some breakthrough to drive drive more traffic uh, profitably to our to our site and. Uh, the, the the numbers started increasing quickly, and uh, that's that, that's when I decided to drop out of school. Why why do you think that might have happened? Do you think demand in that time period specifically that led? Because that that is around I guess the recession two thousand eight. Um, what what do you think the trend was there? Yeah, I think it was a combination of factors. I mean, the recession definitely was was probably a factor because we we kind of were the the low cost provider for these t shirts. Yeah, um, but it was also. Uh, it was also just uh, I, I was just most of my time was spent just optimizing the website, mm. and I just it just had reached a point in which the website uh, became really good. And um, like right now, if you go on the website, uh, and, and and by the way, the website it hasn't it hasn't changed for the past like ten years or so, or like maybe eight. Eight, seven or eight years or so. So it, it's it's it looks it looks old, but you'll see a giant green button that says "Start Get Started." Yeah. And um, <laughs> I think what I found was that uh, by making that button larger, that that uh, that that was able to drive up our conversion rates, which made our advertising more efficient, which let us put more money on advertising uh, and kind of get that. I think we 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 were able to figure out that that um, that whole advertising equation. Awesome. And then you ended up dropping out uh, midway through. What ultimately led you to this decision? Was it strictly the growth of O shirts at the time? Uh, for the most part, yeah. Um, uh, I, I had a um, conversation with my, my parents. And um, so at the time, I remember uh, I was. I always had the, this idea that I, I might be, you know, the type of kid who would drop out, and I, I never, I never um, acted on it. I never acted on it, but it was always just thought in, my, in the back of my mind. Um, but the interesting thing was, my uh, my parents uh, had a conversation with me, and they, my, my mom noticed that I was like all I would talk about was wasn't school or like you know, meeting kids on on campus, other kids on campus or anything. But it was it was it was the company. Yeah. And she actually recommended to me that, hey, like, this seems like what you're you're most excited about, and 
you should you should put school on pause. Oh, you wow. should you should uh, you should do go and do this. And um, yeah, I mean, I I I I've always had it in my back the back of my mind, but it wasn't it didn't really uh, register until she she directly brought it up to me. Did your father have the same similar reaction as well? Um, yeah, I think he was supportive. Uh, it was, but uh, yeah, my, my mom was definitely leading, leading that conversation though. Awesome. Well, <laughs> with exponential growth with scalable, what were your main forms of marketing, uh, at this time? Yeah. So it's, um, uh, you mean for, for uh, the early days of O shirts or kind of, um, a move, moving into scalable, uh, and the new products sure, and stuff. Sure. Yeah. So, um, I'm not, I'm not sure if, um, uh, you caught this, and this isn't really clear online or anything, but it was actually OO Shirts that evolved into becoming scalable. Mm, got so it. It's actually the same kind of company, and, and I mean, the, the corporate entity itself is the same. Got it. Yeah, but um, so it's 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 kind of a multi-step uh, evolution. I'll, I'll try I'll try to simplify it though. So, <laughs> with uh, yeah, with the OO Shirts. Um, so at some point, um, so about two years after dropping out of school, um, we we started to um, we we wanted to make our service uh, more of a sort of technology product, mm -hmm. and so rather than just letting people order through our our design uh, wizard on our website, we said, okay, let's let's build an API so that developers can integrate with us and take advantage of our low prices and our, and our good fulfillment capabilities and build their own t-shirt businesses. Mm. Um, and so we did that. And that, that, that's, that's where the idea for um, scalable press came out. And, um, and so scalable press right now, I mean, you could go on uh, now. This is, this is uh, more of an active business for us. It's uh, it's like an API for ordering printed products. Mm -hmm. um, but, it uh, through that process, what we discovered was that there's a ton of uh, interest out there from from entrepreneurs, uh, both you know in the in the U.S. and internationally, who uh, are just really hungry and really trying to figure out how to start their own businesses online. Yeah. And um, we kind of evolved uh, over the next few years from becoming a company that's kind of centered around printing and, and helping people fulfill their printing orders into becoming more of an e-commerce enablement company mm. where we're, we're helping people uh, start e-commerce stores and to succeed in e-commerce. Um, and and the, the transformation seems um, from the outside it seems like they're they're barely connected, but yeah. uh, it was it was it was through printing that we discovered, um, you know, we that the, the kind of entrepreneurs came to us wanting who, entrepreneurs who wanted to sell print products came to us, and then it was through that that we discovered hey there's there's a bigger opportunity, and one that I think makes more sense for a company within just supporting uh, global entrepreneurship. Got it. And for the listeners out there. Scalable is basically a sum of multiple products and platforms, correct? Such as Chip, which is your all-in-one e-commerce platform, and then you also have uh, printing in there. Um, that's right. That's right. I mean, overall, I'd, I'd classify ourselves as an e-commerce enablement mm -hmm. company. So, um, if if you're um, uh, an entrepreneur, uh, right now the biggest 
hurdle that, so I guess overall it's, it's very hard to get into entrepreneurship right now. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, uh, you have to not only figure out your business model and, and, um, your, your marketing, but you also have to just have access to basic things like reliable payment processing. You have to have access to reliable fulfillment partners and, um, and to, to advertising accounts. Hmm. And we basically, uh, the different kind of parts of our company provide uh, access to these services. Got it. Overall, uh, what would you say separates uh, the scalable platform and the products within from your competitors? Yeah, we're sort of in a unique spot in that um, we we play uh, a sort of supporting role to um, the the. Uh, to to uh, the existing kind of e-commerce stacks that that entrepreneurs use, mm-hmm. so um, I, I would say that our our main um, the main company you'd you'd contrast with us with is probably Shopify. Yeah, and we're not um, a, a direct competitor per se. We're more um, I'd say complementary, but you could view Shopify as kind of fundamentally providing a a technology platform and a checkout system for um, entrepreneurs, whereas we provide uh, the, the fulfillment service, the uh, advertising um, serve, uh, kind of uh, advertising access mm-hmm. and, um, and, and payment processing uh, for, for merchants that have trouble getting those. Mm. Having amazing growth at this time and then moving into 2021, uh, we're getting into the topic of Lumina. Sure. Um, what led you to venture off? Well, not venture off because you're, you're still continuing um, with the printing and press and e-commerce into creating a webcam. Yeah, yeah. So um, this this sort of happened late last year when um, so at, at Scalable we we had uh, last year we had about 300 employees mm-hmm. and uh, during COVID everyone moved over to remote mm-hmm. right and. Yeah. Um, uh, the the it, it was a scary change, like it was for many people, because um, it was just such a different way of doing things. But I found personally that remote is uh, really really enjoyable. It's uh, it's even though there's there so many imperfections right now, yeah. Uh, it's it seems like remote is the future, and for that sure. you know, ten twenty years from now, it's going to be the the default way of doing work. Um, and, uh, but I, I identified problems with it, right? Like it's, it's, uh, when you get on a call with someone, most people don't look good and don't sound good. <laughs> and, and that, uh, doesn't just, that's not just like an aesthetic thing where people, you know, people aren't as, as, um, you know, don't look as good, but it's also a, uh, quality of communication thing where it just, they're, they're, people won't be as effective in presenting themselves and presenting the, the, the message that they want to, whatever message they want to convey. Mm-hmm. And I found that people that have really great setups, like really great microphones and really great cameras, like some people who would have invest thousands of dollars in DSLR setups. Yeah. These people would have just, they would look amazing first, but they would also just, people would just listen to them more mm. and they, they were more effective on video. And so at, at Scalable, one of the things I wanted to do was, hey, let's like let let's try to get everyone to look like this. Then everyone would be so much more effective, right? Yeah. 
Uh, but the problem is there are no solutions on the market right now. The best webcam on the market, the most popular webcam on the market is uh, called the Logitech C920. Mm. And this is a 10-year-old webcam. Wow. 1080 too, correct? It's, it's 1080p. Yeah, it was launched at the same time as the, I think it was the iPhone 4 or iPhone 5. Wow. And um, it's just a, it's just an old product and there's been no innovation. There's lots of innovation on the on the software side there are a lot of cool tools coming out, right? And every, everything you use, we use today is all like built in the past like few years. Yeah. But um, on the hardware side, it just, it's, 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 it's behind. Um, there's nothing good out there. And so you're kind of stuck between, okay, do you want to, do we want to spend a uh, hundred bucks and get this 10 you know, year old product? Or do I want to spend $2,000 and get something that's good? And I think people really struggle with that choice. Overall, yeah, looking at those past features, what exactly were you trying to solve with creating this first product? Of course, both quality-wise, but say uh, the physical product. Yeah, I mean, the, the we want we want to make a webcam that you could plug and play and immediately get uh, something that feels like a DSLR, something yeah. something something close to that that quality level, and maybe it's not one hundred percent there, but it should be like ninety percent there. And um, we want we want that we want the camera itself to uh, just not not only make you look good, but also be something that you're excited to get your hands on. Mm -hmm. It's like when you when you buy a new iPhone, uh, it's you know you're you're looking forward to it, and when you un unbox it, it's like you're you know you peel off that, that that sticker, and it feels it feels amazing. Yeah, and I don't yeah. think anyone has ever said that about a webcam. Yeah, and um, yeah. <laughs> so we want to we want to have we want to build something that kind of just doesn't just look good and get like provides you a lot of utility on a, you know video quality, but also just feels good to own. Mm. So from the the consumer standpoint, um, after unboxing, how easy is the setup process for just an average consumer, someone who doesn't use a DSLR setup, but just looking for an upgrade in their webcam? Well, it's, it's very easy. Yeah. I mean, you basically, um, uh, you plug it in, um, and then, uh, there's this, uh, one step process in which, uh, so with, within our, our, uh, uh, box, like within, within our, um, as part of our product, we have this color card and you basically show that you put that color card in front of the camera and it just, it calibrates and just, uh, makes it so you look perfect in whatever scene you're in. Mm. And um, so what, one of the innovations that we have is that uh, the, the, the way that cameras are calibrated normally is uh, that there's, a, there's, a, there's really extensive calibration of process that happens within this like very controlled lab. Mm -hmm. And what we've basically done is made it so that calibration process can, can, take place at your home using just a very simple color card. So you basically, you, you, you plug in the camera, you put that card in front of the camera and it, it, it looks at, it'll, it'll sense, you know, the, the lighting conditions, it'll sense the brightness level and it'll give you that perfect picture just right from the start. Mm, wow. So without having any demographic stats currently, uh, who would you say is the perfect fit for this camera? And what, what do you think your demographics might look like within a year? 
Yeah, I'd say there's, um, so I'll start with the year. I'd say uh, it's people who work from home or do, um, or do some type of uh, business from home. So it could be, you know, streamers, uh, it could be um, blog, like vloggers. Mm -hmm. um, but I th I'd say mostly it'll be just professionals who are working from home. And this, this includes people who are working, uh, you know, have, have, have hybrid setups, which I think is, are going to be really common in the future. Mm. Right now, I would say uh, a lot of uh, like the, the early technology adopters, this, this is a brand new product, right? Yeah. And um, in the first, especially in the first uh, month or two, uh, there's, there's going to be, uh, the product isn't going to be perfect. And yeah. um, so I'd, I'd say that the, at the very beginning, definitely are early tech adopters who kind of, who kind of get that and, and see that, see the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. So being one of the first 4k cameras at launch, what do you project might happen uh, within the next year or so? Do, do you think some backlash or other competitors might hop on board to try to compete? Because honestly, once the 4k comes out, you can't really compete with a 1080. Yeah, I think I think that's right. Well, right right now there's um, there's a few uh, 4K options. There's there's the Brio uh, and there's uh, some 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 random uh, kind of Chinese brands on on Amazon that that, that are trying to sell uh, this the spec. Mm. Um, I I think our uh, differentiator is really the the overall um, experience, and it really it's 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 the post-processing that happens after the the um, camera chip itself takes in takes in your video mm. um, so um, if you um, and it, it, it's, it's too bad we, we're not on um, <laughs> video together right now yeah. but uh, you would see this like really natural uh, blur effect behind me mm. that um, you normally only see with a DSLR and um, it, it kind of senses the, the depth of the objects uh, behind you and gives you like a, a really natural uh, uh, kind of, it, it feels like there, there's actually, there's real depth to it as opposed to just being a, a, like a computer generated blur. Mm. Um, and, and the camera itself, uh, it detects where you are and it detects objects in your background. So um, I think a lot of the, a lot of, uh, a lot of people, when, when they jump onto video calls, they, they have trouble with, you know, pets or people or, you know, kids running in the background. And what this feature would do is basically it'll, it'll stay focused on you and it'll, it'll um, sort of not, it'll, it'll um, direct it itself away from uh, objects or things happening in the background. Wow. So... Once it's planted, then the, the camera itself, uh, it, it does not follow the person, does it? It, it stays in place, correct? Yeah, it, it doesn't physically follow it, but it does. Um, it has a wide field of view Got and it. Um, it, it basically can, can shift its frame within, within its, its field of view. Got it. So neat. So, so, <laughs> so once someone unboxes the camera, then um, there's a stand that comes with the box and, and does that mount directly onto the computer screen or where would you recommend the camera physically be? Yeah, I, I'd recommend putting it right, just right above your computer screen or right above your laptop um, screen, mm -hmm. just like you put any other webcam. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's, you set it up 
pretty much just like any other webcam except for that one the, the color calibration card that you use to to make yourself to make the colors really uh, accurate mm. and after that it's pretty much um pretty much good to go there, there'll be uh there, there's a little tray um uh, kind of this like settings section where you could you could mess with uh settings if, if, if you want to get into it yourself like so you, you could tweak the blur level or the um like how how the, the size of the frame or uh the the brightness or saturation or some other settings but um for for the most part um i mean i think for most users they'll just it'll, it'll just look good and uh you don't need to do anything it's just it's good to go amazing well i can't wait to see this camera in use and once it's on kickstarter uh, to the listeners out there, make sure to check out uh, Get Lumina. And I like to conclude each episode with this question. If you could share sure. one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, uh, what would that be? Maybe something you've learned or regret? Just anything. Yeah, I think my, my overall piece of advice is to just get started. Uh, I think... Um, I find a lot of people, at least the people I've, I've talked to, uh, spend, I think, on average, too much time uh, contemplating the idea and, and thinking about uh, bigger picture concepts, like thinking about strategy and thinking too much about competition. Um, and I think, I think all that's important. That's, that's definitely just in an absolute sense, th th those are important. But I think the most important thing that you should do is just to get started. And mm -hmm. rather than thinking about, okay, what is the first million dollars look like? Just think about how do you get that first, how do you get the first one order? How do you get yeah. the first 10 customers to just be interested and listen to what they say and, and let, let that guide you. Um, but just making that first step is, is probably the most, um, uh, most important. And I think the most exciting part. For sure. Well, Raymond, thank you so much for joining me. And to the listeners out there, make sure to check out Lumina at getlumina.com. Perfect. Thanks, Cameron. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small Pod on social platforms to keep up to date on future guests.